Welcome to the Move Well Radio Podcast, where we discuss all things related to health and wellness. We dispel common myths and misconceptions regarding healthcare, and we do it in a way that you can actually understand. And it's hosted by yours truly, Dr. Roger St. Ange, doctor of physical therapy, founder of Move Athletics Physical Therapy and Performance. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Move Well Radio podcast. Today, we've got a special guest, Pat Tudrin on. Pat is somebody that uh, I've known for uh, a long time now, huh? When did yeah, we first meet? I'm trying to think. Uh, we've been uh, in Springfield, uh, yeah, back uh, with Iron Will. On Verge Street. Yeah, and I would say I was probably, I bet it was nine years ago. I want to say I was probably about 34 at that time. Oh, man. I'm 43 now. Damn, you were older then than I am now, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> I wasn't wondering. It doesn't make me feel any better. <laughs> so, so Pat's got a really interesting uh, story, and, and we're going to get into it. Um, yeah, so Pat came to the CrossFit gym that I used to coach at. And uh, how, how long were you there for? You were there all the way until... Uh, I was Heath. there for the move, yeah. yeah, and then until Heath uh, moved on. And then that's about the time I had stopped going to, just, um, just coincidental, not yeah. really related, just different place in life as far as things. Yeah, so then uh, then I didn't see you for a while, and then you got injured, and then we happened to reconnect uh, because I, I was working for somebody else that you <laughs> that yep. you know as well. Yep. So let's let's talk about that. So uh, Pat has an interesting uh, ACL tear story that's still kind of ongoing. So why don't, why don't you tell us like what happened when you originally tore that? Sure. So uh, I actually even remember the date. It was uh, May twenty second, and uh, the only reason. I remember that date is we went to a fam. My wife and I went to a family wedding the weekend uh, before. Um, uh, one one of her siblings uh, had just recently got married, so I know it's March twenty second, uh, three years ago. Almost to the day. Oh yeah, almost to the day, and uh, it was basically playing an adult. Uh, men's basketball league it was an over 30 basketball league that played more like an over 40 basketball league <laughs> um and it was it was great it was running time you subbed like hockey so like you could go like uh like you didn't have to wait for the ball to be stopped you could run two guys like on the court and two guys off simultaneously it was running time there's no foul shots it was basically like a great conditioning like opportunity for someone that um, at the time I had one kid, I now have three. Um, so two additional kids, uh, uh, since the injury and, uh, you know, just for someone that works, um, family person, uh, it was just a great way to squeeze in, uh, 45 minutes of an hour of exercise. And, uh, the way it happened was, uh, uh, basically there was like a steal in the basketball game. I sprinted up the court and a teammate had thrown the ball ahead of me. I was running after kind of like a wide receiver trying to catch it over uh, his shoulder. <laughs> um, but the problem was uh, um, like I was basically running out of space. So I caught the ball just in front of the backboard. So trying to make the shot, I basically came to a jump stop running full speed and I tried to simultaneously rise to put the ball up um, for the layup um, before basically running underneath the backboard and I caught it no problem I came to a jump stop no problem and then like just that initial movement to go up it felt like someone just shot me like <laughs> I don't know if I even got off the ground um, but I definitely hit the ground and uh, just didn't get up um, I had to uh, be carried. Like, I definitely uh, knew something was wrong. Never had an injury like that before. Um, certainly, I've had my injuries uh, throughout my lifetime. Um, I mean, I played um, six years of college football. That's another story for another time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you know, I played recreational sports. I mean, I played plenty of, I mean, I played uh, high school basketball. Um, uh, you know, basically, it's been, been pretty athletic my entire life in my adulthood you know, just to, uh, uh, stay active and by far worst injury I ever had in my life. Um, one of uh, my buddies I was playing with, I saw, uh, at a, at a wedding, um, probably like six months after. And, uh, he said, and he's known me for a number of years. He says the first time he ever saw me go down where I didn't get up. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, they had to pick me up. I remember, um, 
I couldn't drive my uh, myself home. Um, you know, I had two guys basically pick me up, throw me in the back of uh, uh, like the car, like, pickup truck. Yeah, Got it. Yeah. Just right in the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, SUV, but you know, so they popped up and closed it, and uh, you know, they picked me up and they just got me in the front door. Luckily, I had a couch there, and like just like basically threw me on the couch. Um, you know, looking back, I certainly will went to the ER knowing what I know now um, because uh, um, one of my mistakes by not going to the ER um, was that it was very difficult to get in uh, with a uh, a surgeon um, uh, because, um, like, I basically had no referral. Mm -hmm. uh, I basically, like, went through urgent care to get x-rays. Uh, which basically were negative. There's no issues there, which pretty much new. Yeah. Um, but like I need an MRI and, uh, like, I mean, I basically had no referral source. So like I'm calling my, myself saying like, this is like what happened. Uh, this is the injury and they're giving me like time frames of like, um, month to two months out to see someone. Um, so basically I had to use my like network of people, uh, to, you know, see one, uh, soon, um, because I was, I was struggling. Like I definitely knew something was wrong. Couldn't walk. Um, you know, I didn't even own a pair of crutches. <laughs> um, like urgent care actually gave me a pair of crutches. So that that was good. At least I, I could get around that way. Um, so, uh, so basically how to use my network, which I think is unfortunate because, um, you know, for a lot of people, they probably don't have a network. Um, I was just fortunate. I knew, um, enough people, um, in the healthcare industry where it could get me referrals and I could see people, um, uh, in a timely manner. Um, but again, like going back, I definitely would have went to the ER cause that was sparked like, like a timely referral. And when I've had to work so hard, uh, to see someone essentially to get help. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And I mean, <laughs> Lucky for you, you happen to know a lot of people. Yeah, right. Yep. Which is, uh, it's always good to to know people. A lot of things in life, it's not like what you know, it's, it's who you yep. know. Yep. Uh, but it is. It's really unfortunate. That's one of the downfalls with with our whole like medical system because that's bullshit, man. Like, who knows? Like, we'll get into where you yeah. are now and the, what you've been through. But like, you could have had a potentially a very different outcome if you were able to get in possibly sooner, right? Instead of how long did it take you to go from? Uh, deciding that you wanted to go see somebody get an MRI to actually getting in and, and seeing a surgeon. And by the way, let's just keep any surgeon's names out. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Right. No, I went. Um, so I, um, um, at least a week before I saw a surgeon, um, and uh, um, I saw a surgeon, and uh, and uh, they got me in. Um, again, it was through a referral of a friend, and uh, um, and basically they got. Uh, got me the MRI and then basically I had a follow up um uh with the same place. And uh and so right away they knew when I, when I initially saw the surgeon, he basically, you know, he d did the knee test, um which I've had before. Um in college I tore um my other knee, but it was my MCL, um but um uh but during that whole process, you know, where they lock your knee, you would know better as a PT, but they yeah. do that whole knee test which freaks me out. <laughs> um but because your tibia starts moving. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like um, inches away from your finger. Yep. Yeah. And then uh they um obviously, you know, sometimes they'll do the other leg just to for a comparison. Um so he did the knee test and like within seconds he said, Listen, sorry to tell you, but you tore um uh your ACL. So I knew that immediately. Um, I mean, I had an inkling that's, you know, it was some type of ligament uh, damage anyway. Um, so, uh, so he ordered the MRI. And then when I came back with the MRI, um, uh, they gave me uh, the rest of the results. Um, so uh, not only did I um, tear my ACL, um, and in layman terms, I basically ripped like a... Um, uh, cartilage off my knee, which was about a quarter size, um, which doesn't sound uh, very big, but in the world of cartilage, you know, that's been described to me as a pretty significant um, injury. I tweaked my uh, meniscus um, and uh, um, I had a very deep um, bone bruise, um, which doesn't really sound like anything in comparison, but I can tell you pain wise, <laughs> I actually felt that <laughs> more yeah. than the cartilage damage, more than the ACL and more than, uh, 
uh, the meniscus, uh, that bruise, um, sucks. Yeah. And like, put it in perspective, like anybody listening to this, just look down at your knee and like wrap your hands around it and see how wide around your knee is. And then put a quarter around that and see like, that's a, actually a really big portion of like the size of the inside of your knee, um, to, to have cartilage damage there. So yeah, from, from your perspective, like not being, uh, into orthopedics like that, you're like, oh, all right, this quarter size, I guess not, not too bad. Yeah. No, it's, that's actually like a large, large segment. So yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt me. No, doing- no. So, um, so basically, uh, they give me the, uh, the prognosis and, uh, what was described to me and what I've learned through the process is really the ACL was no big deal. Um, in the big scheme of things, the meniscus, the bruise, none of that. What was really, um, uh, caused the significance or made the significance of the injury was, uh, the cartilage damage. And, uh, and I, when I went to the, like my follow-up, um, from the initial, initial, uh, surgeon I met with, unfortunately I met with, um, the PA. So when they reviewed my surgical plan, um, it wasn't the surgeon himself. It was, uh, his, um, physician assistant. And so basically ACL repair was straightforward. Um, everything at meniscus was straightforward, but they basically said they really didn't have a plan for uh, the cartilage. Um, that when they got in there, they would kind of uh, figure it out. Um, and I remember it was a Friday afternoon. I had that discussion, and I I listened, um, had a surgery date, but then I sat on that, and it just didn't sit well not to have a surgical plan. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, to repair the cartilage. You would be surprised not to take away from this. Yep. How many people have no idea what the surgeons are doing inside of their body? We have people come in, especially knee surgeries. They're like, okay, like, tell me about what you had done. They're like, I had knee surgery. They're like, all right, cool. Like, what'd you have? They're like, knee surgery. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. And that's the extent of what people are told and what they know. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, luckily that's not you. You're not, you're, uh, very type A, right? Like you want to be informed and make informed decisions. And that wouldn't sit well with me either. So uh, I, I want to just draw attention to the fact that you took control of this situation because you realize that like your outcome is your, like it's your life. You don't have to do what one doctor, one person says. And a lot of times people go to see a doctor and they don't realize like, I have a choice in this matter as well. Right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, uh, and I think what also led to that decision was I was a little bothered that the surgeon himself um, didn't review the surgical uh, plan. Um, yeah. So, like, I was getting information secondhand where I'm much, um, which I get, you know, if um, if you're good, you're in high demand um, by all means. I, um, you know, from every account, uh, this was a well-respected surgeon and uh, I'm sure in high demand. Um, but uh, like you said, like my activity level, it, it's my life. Like, I mean, basically, you know, you're taking away like, uh, like a functional limb and, uh, you know, that can be, um, tough. I mean, it can like no other way to say it. Like, I mean, um, you know, for someone that's very active and to, you know, basically within seconds to lose that, um, I mean, you want it back. I mean, I was 40 at the time. I had it my whole time for 40 years and I have a position where I know that like I have an uphill, um, uh, battle, um, that's, you know, not going to be short term. Um, but like, you know, I'm really got to, uh, um, you know, um, focus on my rehab. Um, but in order knowing that in order for to have the most successful rehab, you want a successful surgery and you want to feel good going into that. Um, so that led me to, um, uh, to get, um, really a second and third opinion. Um, I can tell you, um, getting the second and third opinion, um, just made things even that much, uh, difficult because, um, uh, basically every person I saw gave me a different, um, method that they would do, uh, to repair the cartilage in my knee. So there was, so I saw, and I saw three different surgeons, um, the other two highly, um, respected as well. And, um, all also like focusing on sports. So, you know, they've seen a number of sports injuries. Um, uh, the other two surgeons I saw have worked on a number of professional athletes and, uh, and, uh, gave two completely different, um, like approaches to repair, uh, the cartilage, um, 
So that made the decision um, even that much more difficult, like as far as who to go with. Um, and then regardless, all three talked about um, the urgency to have the uh, surgery as soon as possible due to um, the cartilage um, uh, repair that was needed. Um, so like they basically were like bumping people um uh, to create openings for me based on my understanding, the urgency to repair the cartilage, not so much the ACL. Um, obviously they were going to do everything at once, um, but the ACL wasn't as urgent. Um, my understanding for the recovery for the cartilage repair. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's, uh, there's lots of people that live life entirely with, well, not their whole life, but they, they're living life now without any ACLs in either knee. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it's, it depends on what you want to get back to, but the cartilage yeah. is huge. It really yeah. is such a big deal. All right. So, uh, how long was it between the injury and when you had surgery? Um, so it was the last Friday in June. I don't remember the exact date. I want to say it was about June 29th, but it was basically July. So it was basically probably about at least five, six weeks mm -hmm. um, after the initial injury itself. Yeah, and then what did they set for uh, like a, a recovery timeline for you? Like, what were you like? What was the expectations that were set for you going into surgery? So the initial was your like typical timeline for ACL repair. And I don't remember that typical timeline, but it was. I mean, it was less than a year. I mean, you yeah. would know what's the typical timeline for ACL? Like nine it, months, nine yeah. to twelve months, something like that. Yeah, it kind of depends on where you look and like yep. what people want to get back to. But yeah, somewhere around nine months or so. Yeah, and so that was basically the um, the recovery <laughs> yeah. uh, timeline they gave me and. Uh, and certainly was not the case. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, this is where it starts to get uh, really interesting. I mean, up until this point, it's kind of been like a standard injury, right? Like you had some cartilage, meniscus, like ACL, bone bruise. Like that's all fairly common stuff. Like it is a significant yep. piece of cartilage to be missing, but something that they see regularly. So then you came out of surgery and tell us uh, a little bit about like what was your experience after surgery? Um, so I can tell you at, immediately after surgery, I had never been in so much pain in my life. And yeah. like going into it, I was told like, you know, based on, uh, like the blockers they give you based on like the pain, um, uh, medication they give you as far as a regimen, um, that, uh, that really, you'll um, be really doped up. Yeah. And that, <laughs> um, um, you know, it would be very manageable. Um, and I can tell you, like, I was in so much pain, like I could not piss. Um, and I almost had to go to the emergency room because I like literally was like in so much pain. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't go. And I basically, they called and said, if you don't go like in, um, 24 hours, um, uh, basically, um, like you're going to have to go to the emergency room. And, uh, and fortunately, like my wife had to like, give me like a bottle and like, basically I'm lying on my side. Like I literally, yeah. because like standing on my two feet, um, just increased, uh, the pain. Um, what I found out later was the blocker never took, um, I had never, I had never been in surgery. <laughs> That's not funny. Um, That's not funny at all. Actually. So like I had, I had never been in surgery. So like, um, so they gave me the blocker and they said, do you feel this? And I said, yes, I can feel everything you're doing. And like, well, you shouldn't, maybe it just needs more time to set in. Um, but then, uh, um, but then I was knocked out. So they never like followed up or never checked in. And like, basically like, like I was out, like going into surgery. Like I never remember like with my first surgery, like being in, um, like being wheeled down, like I, I had to be out before I even reached that point. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so the blocker basically what I found out later never took Now I've had two surgeries since. So now I know what it should feel like, what it should look like, um, what it is like coming out. And I basically had no pain coming out the two following surgeries, which just reinforces like what I know yeah. now went wrong in the first surgery. Dude, that's insane. That's like one, that's like a nightmare, like a horror story where they go to put you under and it's like, you're not really under and you can feel everything as they're doing it. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. I was, um, and you know, what was described was, um, um, that like basically like it, because so much work was done, that was causing the pain. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, my wife's aunt is a nurse, um, and, uh, I mean, and other 
people I've talked in the medical field said I should never have left. Like they should have kept me like I should have never um, left. But what do I know? Like it's the first time yeah. I ever been under the knife. I just felt like this is what it must be. And you just got to suck it up and, you know, and, you know, power through. Dude, I can't, I literally can't even imagine that. Because yeah. I've had surgery myself, right? Like I, 2015, I think it was, I crashed a motorcycle. Yeah, I remember that. I like shattered my leg. And I remember having to like roll on my side like this too. Yeah. And uh, I was on drugs and I did have yeah. that. And it was still really painful. So I can't even, Yeah. I can't even imagine. So then uh, how, how long did that last for? Uh, I mean till that level of pain went away, it was at least two weeks. Like, you know, like, so like my understanding is you take the blocker and that sets you up well. And then like, basically, you know, they give you whatever pain medication and then you take that as like prescribed and you can taper off, um, um, as you're feeling good. But I always was behind the eight ball. Like I never had that point where like, I never came out of surgery feeling well. So I was behind. And so I was always playing catch up. And, uh, um, it was at least two weeks and I want to say it might have been even closer to three to four weeks. Um, wow. yeah, I, uh, like would never wish that on anyone. Yeah. 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 It, it's so funny. It's totally a complete sidebar, but like nobody will ever know how much pain you're in. Like you could yeah. never share yeah. that yeah. with anybody. They'll yep. just be like, wow, wow, that sucks. Yeah. Like, no, no, you. You don't understand. Like, you can't even begin to imagine. I can't begin to imagine. Like, Jesus. So um, let's fast forward to getting into rehab. Yep. Right? So um, had surgery, spent some time recovering, went to rehab. Tell us how that all started and and went down from there. Yeah. So I think, you know, one of the challenges with the injury is, and you would know this probably even um, uh, better, is... Um, my understanding when you repair, um, you got ACL repair, you want to move your leg as uh, soon as possible. Like mm-hmm. you want to get that range of motion, correct? Yeah. Um, yep. but the, the issue with that is for, in order for the, uh, cartilage repair, <laughs> I, um, I was in, um, oh, what's that machine called? I should know. It. I had it at least, I had the machine for two of the surgeries. The CPM. Yes, the CPM, yeah. Yeah, so your leg locks into this machine that basically it's almost like um, having one leg almost like on a bike that like basically pushes your your leg up to create some type of uh, flexion and you can set the dial for whatever degrees. So I had to keep it at a minimum degrees. I think it was just like 30 degrees for like, I don't know, first two weeks. And then I was allowed to move it to 60 degrees like the following like four weeks. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't allowed to do any PT on my leg, um, to ensure like the cartilage, uh, repair, um, for six weeks. The only thing I, w- I was, um, allowed to do is put my leg in the CPM machine, which was basically on a couch with me lying on my back. Yeah. Um, with, uh, the greatest range of motion I had, um, was 60 degrees. So where most people are allowed to get after it and start to work on the range of motion and for their, um, ACL, I wasn't allowed to, um, in order to ensure that, um, the cartilage, uh, repair, um, was, uh, um, was taking place and being successful with that. Plenty of other things, not, this is no fault of your own, but there's plenty of other things that like, you could be doing if you went to somebody in a situation that knew about things like blood flow restriction that weren't constrained by, the corporation they're working for, <laughs> yep. you know, because that's six weeks of sitting there. You could have been, what happened over six weeks where like you got a little bit of motion, right? But you <laughs> lost a ton of, of muscle mass, lost a ton of strength. You probably had some difficulty, like really firing your quad. Uh, and then specifically with you, what happened? Like you started to get a lot of scar tissue, sclerosis of the quadriceps tendon, right? Or, or the musculature itself, which then ended up causing lots of range of motion restrictions and strength deficits, right? So um, that was just a sidebar because we no, see no, it all the time. That, I mean, it's like yeah. the CPM, I've never read literature on there that's like, hey, this thing's really effective. But a lot of there are a lot of other things that we could be doing that just in general the medical community as a whole is behind on, and people tend to be conservative in nature. Um, 
So total total sidebar. Not to, not to make you feel bad. No, you know, no. Could have been other things. I but. mean, the other part was like leading into the surgery, um, based on like the approach that I, I, I mean, basically I chose it because I chose. You yeah. know, I had three surgeons, and you know, um, so when I say I chose the approach, it might have been the surgeon's approach, but I feel like I made that choice based on having three different. Was um, going into the surgery too. I was told, like, basically, like, I was doing exercises. Mm -hmm. Like, I actually, I was going to where you were for PT. Yeah. And I was, um, and basically, I was told to stop all PT um, because um, based on, like, those flexion exercises and the things that I was doing could create more damage to the um, cartilage um, that basically they were trying to save. I mean, when they did the surgery, um, the goal was to... um, uh, nail the cartilage to the knee, which mm. I can tell you, I had one surgeon say that's impossible to do if it's torn off the knee. There's some success, I was told, with children, um, but not so much with adults. Um, uh, the surgeon I chose to go with um, with had said um, he could do it and he could save the cartilage, um, which kind of played into uh, the fact with one surgeon, I felt like I was going to be a lifelong uh, patient. Um had indicated that I would need a partial knee replacement at some point, and then down the line I would need a full knee replacement. Um, The other surgeon had indicated that wasn't um, necessarily the case, um, which kind of contributed, really did contribute to me going with that person. Um, I can tell you he did successfully um, nail the cartilage and was able to um, uh, get there. He wasn't able to save all of it, so a portion of that, cartilage was removed and then they did a uh, i can't think of the procedure but basically they puncture your your uh bone um uh drill with, holes yeah into it and, and the the blood hardens my understanding creates like an outside casing um obviously not as good as your initial cartilage mm-hmm. but to be functional i can't what's the name yeah yeah Do I, know? Don't, I wouldn't oh, worry okay. about All it right. yeah we don't have to get into the <laughs> yeah, weeds yeah. on that but yes yeah they, they go in there and they drill a bunch of little tiny yep. holes and yeah, it causes it to bleed out and yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah so i think that's important too that uh to just to recognize i'm going to say this earlier that you can go to 10 different medical professionals yep. you can get 10 different bits of advice like nothing in the medical community is guaranteed yeah oh yeah like it's all just really our best guess based on patterns you know, and you can cite literature and you can say, Hey, these things have worked in the past. We know that these things work, these things don't work, but in the end, it also has to make sense to you. Right. Yep. So then that's kind of how you made your decision. You went and you got informed and you're like, all right, this doesn't make sense because this guy's telling me that I'm going to have to come back for this and then I'm going to have to have this replaced and I'm going to have to do this as well. And this guy's saying that like he can, he can do this and I'm not going to have to, it can have made sense to you. Right. Yep. So <clears throat> I think being informed and making a decision that you think fits best for you is, is huge. And then, yeah, absolutely. You know, if you're, if you got a big cartilage deficit and you're grinding on it, like yeah. with moving around, then yeah, that can definitely maybe not be the best. What I was talking about earlier when I said there's other things you can do, like BFR, you don't have to like move. You know, you've done plenty yeah, of BFR, oh, yeah, but, yeah. like pre post surgical. Like there's other things that this is just like my own personal vendetta against what we have going on with surgeries. That's nothing to do with you, yeah, like your yep. case, but there's like, damn, like we're doing a disservice to people like yourself, right? In the medical community in general. Um, but yeah, so six weeks, no PT, and then get in there, get PT, and uh, and how are things moving around for you? I mean, they weren't. <laughs> I mean, in <laughs> like short, at all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I was in, um, I was in that CPM machine, and the range of motion was set to sixty degrees, and you know, maybe I was lucky if I had seventy degrees worth of flexion. I didn't have much more beyond that sixty degrees if I had any. And, um, I mean, the one variable that was unaccounted for, like going through the whole surgical was, um, my body, um, based on what everyone's told me produces, um, scar tissue at accelerated rate, um, which can really impact, uh, your flexion with the, <laughs> the type of surgery I had. Um, so it was like, it was like immovable. I mean, I had people cranking you, one of them yeah. cranking on my knee, trying to move it, trying to create a greater range of motion and just wasn't moving. Um, my, uh, the strange thing and the um, part that I still, um, maybe the one part that I don't understand to this day is I had pretty, um, good following the first surgery. Um, 
extension as far as just straightening out my leg. Like I was working on that and that was getting pretty close to where like the back of uh, your knee can touch the ground. Um, and, uh, uh, but the flexion just wasn't coming at all. I mean, it was pretty stuck at 70 and wasn't going anywhere. Um, so it got to a certain point where... Um, I think we need to quantify that real quick. And it's yeah. not like you were just going to PT and like doing some exercises like a couple times a week. Like you put in work, like you put in hours of work, like every day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. On this. Yeah, I was probably... So I had a list of exercises that PT gave me. I can tell you I woke up. Oh God, like an hour before work every single day, um, basically doing those exercises. Um, at the same time, like I have a newborn at home. I think the part that maybe I failed to mention is within a two week period of time, I had my first surgery. I had my daughter born and we moved, uh, houses. Uh, so Damn. like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you're in massive amounts of pain. Because, oh, yeah, 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 100%. I mean, initially, I was supposed to, uh, um, like, I had rented a moving truck to move ourselves. Um, and, uh, and uh, like, obviously, I wasn't moving anything um, with the condition I was in. So I had to, like, find movers in between that to, like, move. Um, you know, like, I, uh, my daughter was born, she was... July 3rd, I think I told, I, I had surgery June 29th, I believe it was four days after the fact with the pain. Um, like my wife's about to deliver like a baby and the nurses are asking me if I'm okay. <laughs> um, just to put it in perspective. Yeah. Um, um, one of them made the comment that my knee looked like a football and, uh, like I was in a wheelchair at the hospital. Like, uh, like I, like I couldn't like get up, uh, like I could, like, I wasn't like very functional with the crutches at that point where I could get to, um, like the elevator myself and that thing. Um, so, um, which is part of an embarrassment, uh, factor too. I mean, obviously like, you know, being a husband, you want to be there in every capacity for your wife. And, um, you know, although I'm physically like a presence there, um, like, I don't know how supported I really was like for my other two, um, kids, uh, the first one and the third one, like I spent the night in the hospital. I was there, um, every minute, like, I mean, she basically delivered and I basically went home. Like, there's no way, like I was going to make it. Yeah. That's like, tough. Yeah. And fortunately it was a quick birth. <laughs> so, uh. So there's, uh, so there was obviously a lot going on, but all that going, um, being said and going back to the point, like I was making time both in the morning, um, before the kids were getting up, before it was time to go to work, um, an hour before doing my exercises. And then I was coming home from work and I was, uh, doing my exercises, um, probably another hour after, um, the days I would give myself a break is if I had physical therapy. Um, which I probably still was doing my exercises in the morning, <laughs> yeah. um, but I just gave myself a break at night. Um, so it was nonstop. Like I was putting in the work and, uh, and really getting no, nothing for results. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, first of all, we had to acknowledge like how emotionally difficult that probably yeah. was as a, as a new dad and a husband, like to feel what I'm picking up here is like uh, useless. If I had to use a word there along the way. Um, that sucks, man. So I'm sure it was super difficult to, to deal with. Um, wanted to acknowledge that. And then, um, you know, from, from there, like you're putting in the work, you're not seeing anything. So then what happens? You go back to the surgeon, you have another surgery. What do they do? What was the explanation behind that for you? Uh, so basically it was to, uh, create, um, a range of motion. They also were going to take out scar tissue. So, um, so as indicated, like I, like my scar tissue, like basically my body produces it at a rapid rate. Um, they want to remove, um, uh, the scar tissue as much as possible, um, to help, uh, develop, um, like greater, uh, flexion and, um, uh, what's that procedure called? Um, where they, uh, manipulation. Yeah. Manipulation. Yeah. Basically they, well, I, I mean, you can just go, I, I will. I mean, if you're getting it, I recommend <laughs> not Googling it, um, but I did Google it just so you can see what they do. Everybody's going to Google it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, 
Uh, but basically, I mean, like I said, like my knee wasn't budging, so like they knock you out and they force that range of motion. And they bend it. Yep, and they yeah. bend it, um, um, which is also another process to break up the scar tissue even uh, even more. And then the downside of that is that it's more trauma, which then results in more scar tissue. Correct. Yeah. Which would ideally result in something different being done to create a hypoxic environment to, to limit the sclerosis. Not yep. that anybody knows what that means, but yeah. lack of oxygen into the blood. So that, that scar tissue can't start to or lack of uh, blood flow and oxygen into the muscles periodically. So that, that scar tissue can't form. But yeah, so you had that manipulation under anesthesia. How'd that feel when you came out of that? That fine. I mean, I was on, um, cause you had a nerve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I initially opted out. I said, give me the pain. Um, um, like the pain uh, meds prior, but I didn't. I opted for not a blocker. The surgeon came in. He convinced me um, to do the blocker, said they'll make sure they do it right. Um, and so I allowed it. And then I was off of uh, pain meds within two or three days. Like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, in comparison to the other one, like, like honestly, like I didn't have enough pain meds. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I was on them for probably a month prior and I, I didn't have enough the first two weeks. The second time I was off, I mean, if surgery was, I, I think every time I've had a surgery, it was actually a, a Friday because the surgical s- schedule is usually <laughs> Tuesday and Friday. Friday yeah. yeah. Uh, so, uh, like by Monday, like I was, I was off of everything, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe a little Advil or Tylenol, but not, not really anything. So what was the timeline? Do you remember what the difference was from when you had the initial surgery to when you had the second surgery? I believe it was um, it was January. Okay. Yeah, because I went June, I went January, and then the third surgery was October. Yeah, so tell us what led to the, the third surgery there. So, I mean, I was probably at 70% flexion um, through that surgery. I mean, initially, like, I mean, because it's just fresh, like I was in PT, I think the very next day. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in the CP um, M machine. I can tell you I slept in that thing. Um yeah, and, and, and that. crank that up to whatever it was. And I think at one point I was probably close to like a hundred, um, but really, you know, as like the scar tissue is starting to develop more, I think it was pretty consistently around ninety degrees. So basically, and then same thing happened: hit a wall. Um, still doing my exercises, trying to now push myself on my, on a bike, which is a struggle. It's putting some pressure on my hip because really, you know, you're trying to get that. Um, the leg around, um, you know, I'm playing around with the seat too. So I'm trying to crank the seat down. I'm putting it up. So I'm working on various things. Um, uh, still going to the PT two, three times a week. And the same thing happens It's basically like a rock. Um, uh, so over the summer, um, they set me up for like these three knee injections and basically they like, um, again, layman's terms, my understanding is they put in like a lubricant in your knee to try to loosen it up. WD-40. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the first injection went fairly well. I actually thought it helped a little bit, but the next two really didn't do anything. And uh, if anything, I think my knee felt worse. Mm. Um, so that and those were spread out, I think, two weeks apart. If I um, I could be wrong, but I think that's about what I remember. I think so. Um and then, uh, so reevaluated and then, uh, scheduled me for a third surgery. Uh, the surgery, basically same thing. They're going to, uh, do a manipulation, force the range of motion and, um, and basically remove scar tissue. Um, the only difference between the first and, um, the second one though, like I lost like my extension. So where I was saying like I could push my leg down, mm-hmm. like now, like, I mean, it was pretty bad because, like, my extension, yeah, I was getting it to 90 now, but, like, now where I was pretty close to zero when it's flat, it was closer to, like, 20. So, like, now I'm going from, like, 20 to 90 and, like, not being able to straight, straighten it out. I still, like, I to me, um, still don't understand that part, but it just is what it is at this point through the process. So, third surgery... They do a manipulation, but this time they really attack the scar tissue. So at first, um, he goes in um, arthroscopically, and um, like it, the scar tissue is not um, um, budging, so um, he can't get it out. Um, so then he goes in with the scissors, 
and he can't cut it out that way. It's too thick, won't cut through. So then he goes uh, in with a, like a scalpel, what he describes as an old military surgery where they go like basically halfway up my quad, um, two incisions on each side of like the kneecap, and basically scrape the scar tissue um, off using the scalpel. Um, and basically said it's the thickest scar tissue um, he's ever um, seen. He does, I mean, 300 knee surgeries a year. Yeah, and uh, you know, through the process, at one point he said he had like three cases, and basically, you know, I made his top five as far as like most challenging cases. Um, my most recent, I'm number one now. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, through that, then I think I got to you know pretty consistently um, 110 degrees. Um, and I mean, we're talking about from late June to the following January. Um, so at that point I was at uh, 42. Yeah. 40, I think 42 at that point. Um, and, uh, and then it's just been really, um, PT blood flow restriction with you, which has been incredible. Um, and just grinding it out every day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're still not, there i mean you're no, able to no. you're able to run after your son on his bike a little bit yep. now right like which is uh have you had any issues with that recently um so yeah so i mean in the meantime like i've taught my son how to ride a bike i've taught him how to ski so like i've skied yeah. um i can't get my leg around a bike riding a bike um has been going pretty well um still not great at running running is a challenge um my threshold is probably about a mile right now um, part of that too is, I mean, the muscles that I haven't used in like three years now. Yeah. Um, I mean, so like sometimes it's like just soreness in my ankle. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. We were working yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. Cause you have some, you do have some significant weakness down there. Oh yeah. You know, Cause and that so, hasn't been a huge focus for yep. you. We're like, Hey, you've been really focusing on trying to get this range back just so you can do these activities. Yep. So now you're finally at this point where you can work on mostly strengthening and, and really switch gears to to things like the running because that wasn't so important to your life at the time right it's yeah like, hey, i need to be able to walk yeah yeah 100 <laughs> you before know, you, yeah. were, you look like a wounded gazelle walk, yeah. walking around yeah, that, yeah i mean health wise this i mean the last i'd say three to four months i've been able to do more than i have um in the last two and a half years so God, that's like, amazing yeah you know, like i mean like i was skiing um you know i uh I golf. I like to walk the course. I can tell you, I've been hanging the ball longer than I have in the last three years since the injury. Like, how good did it feel to be able to get out there with your son on skis? And like that was share that with. Yeah, him. that was awesome. So he's he's four. Um, you know, I think my wife was skeptical that I could uh, um, teach him how to ski. I, I, um, I, she wanted me to put him in lessons, and I. I said, I can do this. So, like, <laughs> I mean, I like, I'm a pretty good skier. And, uh, I was like, you know, I'm not paying for lessons. Timbuktu. Like, yeah. Timbuktu <laughs> JP. Like that's my glade. Uh, like I could live there. My ashes can be spread there. Um, you know, that's where I can really be at peace. Um, but, um, yeah, like, uh, like we were going to do this. It was also, you know, an opportunity for me to like get on skis and see where I was physically, like as a checkpoint without, like, like if I went by myself, like, yeah, I'm going to try to drive to uh, JP <laughs> and go down Timbuktu because that's what I enjoy. Like, you know, going down like a, like a green circle or a blue square on like freshly yeah. groomed skiing. Like that's not for me. Like I don't really enjoy that much. Yeah. Uh, so like, it, like this was kind of like a happy medium where like I could get joy from skiing those because I'm with my son and we're doing like an activity together. Um, certainly COVID played a part of that too. I mean, I'm sure like all families, like finding activities for your kids during COVID has been extremely challenging. So there's nothing to do outside. I like, I wanted to find something for him to do. Um, so, uh, got a nice pair of Rosinal skis on Amazon for like 110 bucks. <laughs> nice. <laughs> got a pair of boots for like, uh, like 60 bucks. Got the gloves. I mean, helmet, like for all the gear, I probably spent about 200 bucks and, you know, for any, 
parent that's looking to teach their kid how to ski, like certainly do it before they're five because kids five and under most places are free on the mountain. <laughs> <laughs> so like, like the cost of the activity was low too. And, yeah. you know, a lot of these mountains, um, They'll give you a lower uh, mountain pass too. So even as an adult, um, like we were going to uh, like Berkshire East, and a lower mountain pass was like thirty bucks for me. So for him and I, you know, yeah. and uh, yeah. um, especially with COVID, there's no um, like you weren't going to the lodge or anything too. Mm -hmm. So like we had peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in the car, <laughs> and uh, that was his introduction. So like I mean like. The kid probably doesn't even know that a ski lodge exists. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a big game changer. For yeah, him. absolutely. But uh, but he got really good. I mean, uh, we went to uh, uh, various mountains and uh, like I mean, he was skiing blues uh, pretty consistently at some pretty big mountains, and so. Uh, yeah. That's amazing. And, uh, like he enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, like I enjoyed teaching him and it was just, uh, and I was happy that I was able to do it and the timing was good. Um, you know, and certainly I, I could not have done that the previous, um, two years. Yeah. And, and dude, that's totally your, I know this makes you uncomfortable. I say things like this. It was totally all the hard work that you've done. Yeah. yeah I want to, yeah, right. Yeah. You, you've put in that time and effort and for, for me, like it's just been incredible to watch you go from limping as you're walking to being able to chase after your bike or your son yeah. while you teach them to ride a bike and, and go skiing 12, 12 times or whatever yeah. it was this winter with him. And yeah. like be able to share that because, uh, I, I love watching you talk about Tim Buck yeah, big yeah. stupid grin on your face every uh. time. Um, but that's, that's amazing, man. And you're still working, right? So it's like your journey's not over. You're still working. You're, oh, yeah. You've got some more life balance in there, yep. right? You're making sure that you're uh, taking some mental rest periods so you're not completely burnt out and giving up for forever on it, but you're getting stronger. Your leg is still a little stiff, but that continually gets better. You're checking with the surgeon still, right? And it's a little bit better every time you go. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, it is. like So the flexion the extension gets better every time. So he's not recommending an additional surgical um, approach um, uh, because it gets better every time. Um, I think one of the most difficult time things is just like adjusting my timelines as far as recovery. Like you asked, like, you know, what was the initial like timeline nine to 12 months. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean that nine to 12 months is now at three years. And realistically, I mean, I was, the surgeon said, you know, he still thinks I can make it like pretty close to full recovery, but he's talking like at 45, um, yeah. um, which I, you know, is probably somewhat realistic. Um, but I mean, it's grinding it. Um, and I mean, for, like you said, the breaks have helped sometimes. So like the first two years, I didn't take a break. I like, I basically rehabbed every single day for probably two consecutive years. Um, uh, not missing like a beat. Um, you know, maybe Christmas I took off. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, literally now, um, um, within the last year, I've learned to like, at times I've taken two to four weeks off. I think we just need to pause for a second and, and put that out there. Like you did this every day for two years. So when people are in this and they're three months in, they're four months on and they're frustrated because they're not even where they, they, they're not where they want to be, even though they're not yeah. even in the timeline, you put in work every single day for two straight years. Like that's incredible, right? Yeah. Like that's purely because you played six years of football in college <laughs> yeah. it's the work ethic that stuff yeah. can't be taught so i mean that's that's pretty amazing so what would you say to anybody uh, maybe it's like a young athlete or a young adult uh that's that's recovering from injury that maybe it's having a hard time right now even just like whether it's emotionally uh, or mentally just like feeling maybe less than or if their rehab's not going the way that they want like would what advice would you give yourself when you were struggling mentally I, so one thing is, I mean, you definitely need a support system. So like identify your support system, know who those people are. I'm fortunate and I have, uh, like, um, very close family. I mean, not just, uh, my wife and, uh, I mean, my kids are so young that, you know, they always see me as dad. So that's, mm -hmm. that's refreshing. So it's not like dad has an injury or dad has a boo boo. Like, yeah. like, I mean, um, you know, they're going to wake up with smiles on their faces because they're well taken care of. And so like, it's, you know, and that, from that perspective, how is it like, 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 I'm not going to wake up like depressed or like, am I down at times? Absolutely. But like, at the end of the day, when I see like, you know, the kids smiling, having a good time, like, you know, there's joy in that. Yeah. So definitely don't want to lose out on that. Um, so definitely knowing, you know, um, 
having a support system, finding things like, you know, readjusting to things that you can enjoy. Um, so like obviously anyone going through an injury, um, if they are an active person, you know, still finding, um, things that, you know, um, make you happy. Um, and that can differ, um, you know, um, from person to person based on their individual interests. Um, sounds like what was really helpful for you was finding, gratitude and things that you may have otherwise just taken for granted. Yeah. Like yeah. The kids, right? Like, Hey, you're waking up, the kids are happy. Like they've got smiling faces and that means a lot. So yeah. I can't really get down on myself because that's going to take that away from them as well. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so finding, finding joy in, in the things that you might take for granted and kind of reevaluating where else, like you might be taking things for granted, like having two legs, having smiling kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And just kind of doubling down on that. Yeah. I so, mean, long-term and short-term, term goals are definitely important, but you have to be flexible with those goals. Um, like, I mean, and you know, you have to understand that you may have to, um, uh, hate to use the word like lower the bar, but sometimes, you know, just fire. Yeah. Um, and sometimes maybe it's not lowering the bar, but it's just extending your timeline. Mm -hmm. So, um, maybe you had a goal to be in a certain place at six months. Well, maybe it needs to be seven or eight months. Maybe it needs to be a year. Um, but you know, just plugging away and taking it day by day, not getting like, not getting so fixated on your long-term goal that you're losing sight as far as the little things that you can do each day. Yeah, no, I, I think that's huge. Uh, especially because a lot of rehab protocols too are like time bound. You go somewhere and like, you're going to be here in six months. Like that's not the way it works. And if you are doing it just because it's that time you're setting yourself up for failure in the long term, right? Yeah. Like, like, Oh, it's a, uh, you know, four months, you're supposed to be running. Like, well, if it's, you have a weak leg and it hurts, you're just going to have a weak leg that hurts while you run. Like, maybe we delay yep. that, you know? So that's that's great. So I always like to end things with a couple of rapid-fire questions. Okay. One, uh, what's your most favorite exercise? Like PT exercise? No, just in general, fitness exercise. Ah. Oh. So to pick one thing to do for fitness for the rest of your life, what would it be? Right now, probably golf. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was not expecting that. Okay. Cool. Uh, how much? How much does you bench when you're playing football in college? Oh, three sixty-five. What's one exercise that you would never do again if you had the choice? Oh, power clean. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, what's one book that you think everybody should read? Uh grit. By oh, An by Angela Duxworth. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good book. Yeah, there's that grit scale too. Yeah. Um. Yep. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Well, listen, thanks for, for uh, giving us your time this morning and coming on and, and sharing your story. I'm sure everybody that's listening will appreciate it. And uh, cool, man. Thanks. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Thanks, Roger. Hey, real quick, before you go, I just want to say thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others by taking a screenshot of this episode and posting it to your story on Instagram and tagging at Move Athletics PT so we can repost it. And to stay up on all the latest from me, make sure that you follow at Move Athletics PT on Instagram and Facebook and then subscribe to the Move Athletics newsletter at www.moveathleticspt.com. All right, guys. Catch you next episode.